This week on Kettle of Fish, actor and producer Kate Hackett stops by to talk about pointless plans and classic comedy. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 30 minutes comedy money shot after the one hour of political foreplay. I am your podcasting captain of the airways, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, coming to you live as always from good old Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And let me introduce the Siegfried to my Roy, the Starsky to my Hutch, the Toucan Sam to my giant bowl of Fruit Loops. The soon to be down with AGT. Yeah, you know me. Um, the BEA beautiful producer. The oh, that's adorable. Though I do have to take issue with the intro with your intro, um, simply because I think we need to change that to Opioid Mountain. You know, we we're now third in the nation. We're good at something. It's just not the thing we want to be. Isn't uh, methamphetamines an opioid? I thought that that was no, an opioid. No, I think that's an upper. Like, yeah, I think meth is an upper. Like, now it's like painkillers and oxys. Yeah, I guess I need to do more meth. Crap. <laughs> something. Know what I'm talking about. How can I get on air every week and say meth mountain when I've never even done meth? I'm fake right. news. You are fake news. Absolutely. All right, let me get Fern in here. And a girl who loves ancient aliens, ancient civilizations, and has a few ancient Chinese secrets locked away in her closet. Fern, the moist voice heart. That's probably more than a few. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's a lot more than a few, like a lot. But I think Dee is more like the captain to your crunch because she's the captain to our sea wave that yeah. is kettle of fish. Like ah, should I have done of all serial like metaphors this week? That would be fun. I think you should. You should like switch it up. Yeah, serial yeah. animals, different types. Well, of I mobs. try to switch it up know. every week, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just tired after seven. You do a fantastic <laughs> job, and after all that political talk, I definitely need some ancient relaxation technique, which is cuttlefish. Well, there you go. D, um, we're going to jump right in today because we got places to be and things to do. So why don't you tell us who is coming up on future shows? Oh, and by the way, guys, I think it was nice I got to use the old intro today mm-hmm. because we actually are doing Kettle of Fish after, right after a political show for a change. It's been a while. Yes. So for those who somehow have been living under a rock, it's okay. Just go type in exactly this, okay? Listen carefully. Tin can a period or dot media and hit enter. Poof. Easy. Done. Don't overthink it. It's all good. Uh, yes. Upcoming. Uh, I wish this... our URL could be tin can explanation point media. Well, that doesn't work yet. That would so... be awesome. <laughs> You're just going to have to wait. Um, okay. So Wednesday on Musical Osmosis, we are going to have Super Ugly from Unified School District. And of course, our buddy uh, Odell will be joining us for that. Next Sunday, we are going to have the twistiest pretzel I've ever seen. Uh, actor and contortionist from The Ring, Miss Bonnie Morgan. And then uh, two weeks from today, we are going to have humorist and author Dylan Brody back on The Funny Thing About Politics and the mind behind Renato Jones and the 1%, the super talented and incredibly um, awesome Mr. Carr Andrews. So, yay. And also, before we get today's guest in here, let's mention AGT and let's mention our new web series coming out. Oh, yes. Okay, so we are going to do a new web series, uh, The Misadventures of Saucy. We're going to start heading out and recording with some of our awesome friends that we have met through the show, and uh, we are going to do the things they do with them. So we're going to nerd out with Rachelle from King of the Nerds. We're going to... Get all We're headed to Branson, baby, to go <laughs> trick-or-treating with Mormo. We are. We're going to trick-or-treat with Mormo, the horror king. Uh, and then we will um, do a bunch of other fun things with other fun people that we've gotten to talk to. 
And yes, watch this space for future AGT things. Um, I have my audition on November 19th. I'm slated at around 10 a.m. Not to say that I'll actually get in at 10 a.m., but that's what time my call is. Um, and I'm I'm actually for the for future rounds. I'm probably gonna have some help from our friends. So if you have any desire to have an influence on what I do on the show, then start following us now. And because um, once I get on you know future rounds, I'm gonna be like, okay, here's the three songs I want to do. Which one do you guys want? And that's what I'm gonna Fern. do. What happened it, when Dee came down to Virginia Beach? What was the name of the bar we went to, the karaoke bar that we like? Uh, we went to a couple of them, and uh, we went to uh, Crossroads. The one we went as a group. Crossroads, yeah, Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. And what happened yeah. when Dee sang in front of all our friends for the first time? Dude, Susan was yelling at me. She's like, why, is it, why don't you let Dee do famous stuff? And I was like, dude, I've been trying to get her out singing publicly <laughs> for years. What are you talking about? I don't stop anybody from doing anything. Yeah, you yeah. Everybody was assaulted. like blown away. She's awesome. If anybody has not heard Danielle sing, um, she Most is fantastic, have. super fantastic. We do Fourth of July parties here at my house to celebrate Danielle's birthday, which is awesome. And we have karaoke set up in the living room, um, like all night. And you know, she's just fantastic. So she I'm also really excited cats to see. meow over the summer in New Orleans. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what you do like on stage and uh I think you're gonna be super awesome, fantastic. And I don't watch America's Got Talent. Um I only watched it for our pal Matt Geiler, who was on there. And uh but I will definitely be watching and voting okay. and doing everything I can to, you know, be supportive and help yes. and all that awesome. stuff. So, because Danielle's like my sister from another mother. So yes. A sister from another Mister, I think, is a nomenclature for that. All right. I think so, but I, I like to use I like to use it in the all female context, yeah. just because it's Fight sisterhood. The patriarchy. So there's a difference. <laughs> all right, you guys have some traveling pants going on. Fair enough. Let's get today's <laughs> guest in here. Um, today we are having from Classic Alex, from Not a Plan, the multi-talented, crossing all creative genres. I feel like um, Miss Kate Hackett. What is up, Kate? Hi. How are you? Good, good. Doing real good. Thank you for calling in and thank you for staying on hold and listening to us wax political for a little bit before we got in the kettle of fish. No problem. I love that. I love the uh, these things like that's such a cool, cool thing. Um, And I totally get like not wanting to do karaoke because karaoke is for fun and not like people who professionally sing and it's weird and then people look at you funny. So I get you. Yeah, I have this thing. I, I'm really, I'm okay singing in front of complete strangers, but my friends, most of them have never heard me because I can't do it. I'm like, no, I get it. Just, just totally get it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was weird the first time I had Jason on here. I had been interviewing people from different bands, but I never interviewed like someone from my friend's band who was actually a known band. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh man, am I going to sound like a complete asshole? But I don't have that worries when just talking (laughs) to new people. So I get it. All right, let's dig in here. Um, I know this is an older project, Kate. Uh, but I want to kind of start with Classic Alice. I had heard you say on a podcast recently that I was watching or listening to that you would like to meet the person who actually binge-watched all 117 episodes <laughs> of Classic Alice. Well, guess what? I'm a humble servant of the people. I did just that. And it didn't take me one day. It oh, took man. me a day and a half. But I did binge-watch Classic Alice. Did you watch it on Amazon? No, I couldn't find it on Amazon. I went to my Roku box and searched it, and I had to go watch it on YouTube because I wanted to watch it on Amazon so I could yeah. watch it on the TV. Uh, it's it's much easier to watch on Amazon, too, because it's like I squished a bunch of episodes together so you don't have to sit through that freaking theme music the whole time. But uh, yeah, I, had that theme uh, I had a theme music in my head for like four days. I heard that theme music. <laughs> it was like residuals yeah. in my head. All right, so let's start with this. Give me the premise of the show. Um, you star in it. You wrote it. You produced it. I love that you do everything in-house. I'm from the punk rock DIY world, so I definitely respect that. But the thing that I really liked about it was the four rules, which I thought was really clever to kind of keep you in check and give like some cohesion to the idea of the show. So give us a quick rundown. 
So Alice is a college student who gets a bad grade on an essay, and her instructor is like, you don't connect with material. So she decides to live her life according to different classic novels to show that she does connect to material. And then the show goes from there. So there's uh, we use different classic books. We had 13 in all um, to guide her behaviors, but there's also an original plot line over through throughout through over through the whole thing uh, that we play with as well. Right, and you have rules like you can't do any major crimes. Um, it has to be a book. Yeah, I, I mean, read. I totally forget what the rules are, but it's like no murdering. She has. To, she has to make the decisions or something like that. Like, Andrew can't... It's been so long. Um, like, no interference. Yeah. yeah no no interference. interference. You can't force other people like to do the right. characters or act as the characters. So let me start with this. Did you actually read all 13 of those books, or did you just kind of wiki, like, what the books were about and work it into How the plot? How dare you? How dare you? Uh-oh. Next cross line here? <laughs> Most of them I'd already read, um, so I kind of, like, skimmed through and was like, oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I've read all of them. Yeah, I know you're a big, um, what is it, bibliophile, and you're on Goodreads, yes. and D, you can relate to that, because you read, like, <laughs> yes. it'll take me a week to read a book, and D will read it in one sitting almost. We are a family of yeah, book I'm lovers. Yeah, I'm a big reader. <laughs> and there's something about, right, like, you have to, there's something about paper, like over, I like a yeah. digital book if that's all I can find or whatever, but there's just something about holding the paper and, and like the smell of it. <laughs> like, Same with comic I books. I, I went to Europe recently and uh, so I just brought my iPad and used ebooks. And so I was checking books out from the library while I was in Europe and that was pretty cool. So like I get the appeal of an ebook. It's like, you know, if you don't want to carry 23 pounds of books with you somewhere, but uh, I much prefer the tangible holding. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm in the same pocket. I do not like reading on screens. All right, Tim, I want to ask you about the creative process, the writing process, since you are the writer of these. Um, when you're writing, do you have an episode? Like, do you have a certain book you want to do and then you kind of write the characters to conform around that idea? Or do you have a place you want the characters to go and then you're like, well, let me find a book that kind of backs up that premise. So for Alice, the process was kind of, um, I would pick books that I liked and knew and see if they fit. We did a couple, we, I did a couple ways. Uh, I would try to see if the books fit narratively. Like there were some that I would really have loved to do but there's just it, it was uh technically difficult so something like um sherlock holmes we never jumped into um i couldn't figure i was surprised you did dracula dracula was a trickier one yeah um, because it's not told it's not just like here's the story it's told through like letters and it's weird um and then the narrator, narrator kind of, or the point of view shifts, and it, and it's about like women's virtue, and it, it goes to some wacky places. But I, I was like, I really, I really like this. So um, there were some Shakespeare ones that I was like, I don't think that works because the characters have to also make choices in the books. Things can't happen to them; they have right. to like actively decide to do something because because it's an original thing. It's not just like you know, such and such story told via blog, it's such and such story actively chosen by a character to be lived out in a blog. Um, it couldn't have these, you know, external things happening at the character. The character had to go and do something. So there were a lot of books that I just couldn't adapt to that because it was like magically someone external from them put them on a path of adventure or whatever. And like, that would have been weird. (laughs) Um, For Ewan's character, so Chris O'Brien, who's in everything I fucking make, um, for Ewan's character, he started in our Pygmalion arc. So she was transforming him into, you know, the story of My Fair Lady, transforming him into like a cool guy. And it backfires terribly for him, right? So I wanted him to come back for Macbeth and be the bad guy in Macbeth. So that worked ah. really well. Um, 
it, it's more, it was more just like happy little accidents than, you know, figuring out the story of the characters and then matching them to books because I think that would have been really difficult. Um, How many steps ahead are you, though? Because this ran for a couple years. Um, Do you already have, like, this all plotted out in your head two years in advance, or are you playing it more by ear and just letting it organically happen? Well, we filmed filmed three times. The first time was Crime and Punishment, and that was the only book we did. And it was sort of like a pitch, like, hey, look at this thing we made for nothing. Give us your dollars, and maybe we can make more. And then we got our dollars, and we made uh, books two through seven. Uh, And we did that like a feature film. So I wrote the whole thing and we shot it in (laughs) six days, four days. Holy shit. Wow. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, after that, I was like, wait a minute, this can keep going. So I went back and we crowdfunded more. And then I wrote, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. Because I, I've got to ask you this as somebody who always feels like I feel like this past episode we just did a minute ago, I was rushing through to get to all the material. When you're doing these episodes in so condensed and in such quick succession, do you feel like you don't have enough time to really process what's going on? Like, I just can't imagine being the, under the gun like that, how you're putting out such quality work. Um, well, I mean, we film, we would film them out of order because that's how you kind of make like feature films are shot out of order right shot out of order so you'd have to be ready to go before you get there like you can't kind of find it while you're there um i i probably don't have the best answer for this because i also wrote it so i kind of know everything um i don't know how my how the other actors felt like if they felt like they didn't get enough time with it or or what um but I don't care about that. No, I do. Well, why did it end then? Did you say, hey, we're going to wrap <laughs> this up in this certain way? Or do you th- like, or were you just like, all right, it's time for me to move on creatively? Uh, a couple things. So uh, business decision-wise, YouTube sucks. And YouTube yes, had started agreed. to suck. Yeah, YouTube started to suck uh, towards the middle-ish of our second run. So, um probably somewhere in the world of like the Odyssey and Dracula. And I had seen it starting. I had seen it starting before we were crowdfunding and kind of been like, all right, this is going to be a problem. And then it really started to kind of just blow. Uh, And I was like, all right, you know, this, the show can be over absolutely completely. Um, I don't feel like dealing with YouTube anymore. I really just, well, I saw you did a video back in like March and you said you wanted to move everything over to another platform. And I know your yeah. new show, Not a Plans on Funny or Die. I mean, is that the end game is to get everything moved over? Because I've, I'm also still seeing new episodes go up on YouTube. New episodes? Uh, oh, not a plan. Uh, so not a plan. Yeah, not a plan. I decided to just put everywhere. Um, but Classic Alice is on Amazon. I don't know why you couldn't find it, <laughs> but it is there. Um, so that was the big move away. Like everything will still exist on YouTube. I just don't want it to be the main, uh, venue. Gotcha. Stuff as much as possible because it's just, it's so shitty for creators. It's impossible to find, you know, it's impossible for people to discover me. It's impossible for me to churn out actual good stuff at the rate YouTube demands you churn stuff out like it's fine for vloggers I guess but I'm not a vlogger and I have to pay people and I'm not making anything on these so it was just uh, an untenable model for for scripted shows um and the bubble kind of burst and I knew it was bursting and it happened while we were airing which is fine I kind of was like whatever you know I wanted to do this uh so that was part of it the other part of it was just creatively I was done with this character. I played her for two years. Um, I was ready to move on and work with other people on other things. Um, so we were all, I think we were all done. Um, the cast was ready to not do this anymore. I think the, the gravy train kind of pulled into the station. 
Well, I know, Fern, I had sent you over all the information, and you're like, hey, I was watching this, and Kenny asked me what you're watching, and I know that you, like, real, and this isn't just, like, you know, saying it because she's on the show. I know you really loved right. Classic Alice. <laughs> well, I, I did, and, you know, I have a tendency to look at things like, has this been done before? Is this played out? Like, okay, like, we're living in an era where we're doing nothing but, you know, Marvel comic movies and remakes of old movies, like, it just came out, and these are all premises that have been done before. And while I'm intrigued to look and see how the different, you know, directors, like, change the vision and kind of maybe move it in a different direction, it's still been done. And what I love about Classic Alice, and not a plan actually, both of them, is that these are premises that I haven't seen before. They come from a very creative and different direction, and it's almost like, um, you know, it's like the first time I watched The Office. You know, I was like, oh, this is great, you. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, it's like on that level. And it's it's very unique. Um, we had Angela Golner on with her project Binge uh, a few weeks ago. And, and that that was great. You know, these are all very unique uh, and different premises that are very intriguing. And Kenny was just like, oh, wow, what are you watching? I was like, oh, check this out. This is classic Alice. And he's like, He's sitting there and watching it, watching He's like, I really like this. I said, yeah, we're talking to her on Sunday. And he's like, really? This is awesome. Like, I really love this. It's well done, well directed, well scripted. It doesn't feel scripted. It flows really well. And the premise is, is just so cool. I love it. I just absolutely love Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. We can just keep complimenting me. <laughs> well, you deserve it, girl. It's great. And, you know, I mean, like, what – what prompted that though like were you, i mean that's that's a creative spark that's so unique i mean i know as i said on the show before you know i can be cooking and start you know looking at my chicken and somehow my my whole brain just somehow goes to like yard sales or hey i have chores to do or i wonder what project i want to work on next you know it just kind of flows like that like was there anything in particular that really sparked this that said wow this happened and i need to pounce on this so I don't know. So the the literary vlog thing has actually that was another reason I was like we got to stop. Uh, it's oversaturated at this point. Um, it's extremely cheap to make. So a lot of college students and people learning how to make a show go that venue to to just sort of test their waters, figure out you know how to do stuff, that kind of thing. Um, so there's a shit ton of them. And the quality of them is not, it, it varies. Uh, some are wonderful, some are not, because it's a lot of trial and error, and it's a lot of people who maybe aren't doing this in a market like L.A. or New York. Right. Um, I'm sorry, can you hear my cat? Good. Oh, yeah, I can hear your totally cat. Totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was part of the reason I was like, we got to get out of this game because there's just too much of it now. It's It's overdone. Um, but as far as like what sparked it, there was a show called the Lizzie Bennett diaries that came out, I think like a year before, or two years or something before my show did. And they started this, like adapting a, um, a classic piece of literature into a vlog modern day setting. And I like to make things as difficult for myself as possible. So I was like, that's cool, but what if we do 13 different books and also an original story and also it's somebody, like, choosing to do this? You uh, sound like somebody much- I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it was actually uh, somebody came to me and said, hey, do you, we would love for you to write and host uh, a YouTube channel about what books, like if a teen likes, you know, uh, Twilight what other books might they like that are classic books? So like Wuthering Heights, what, what has similar themes, that kind of thing. And I was like, cool, I see that, but I raise you, no, because I'm an actor. What if it's a scripted show? Right. And, you know, we, we draw that audience in by walking them through different classic books. And they were like, intriguing, but also expensive. And I was like, all right, fine, we'll do it vlog style. And they said, yes. And I wrote Crime and Punishment for them, and then they had to pull out, I don't I, I think they, they wound up going different directions, um, like from each other. So 
I had this script and I was like, all right, I'll just make it because it can't cost more than a couple hundred bucks to shoot a one locked off shot. Right. <clears throat> so I did. Well, and, you know, I want to go back to the learning process because I think that's interesting when talking about learning through the process. Um, Classic Alice had was a pretty long project, about two years. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from Classic Alice that you've been taking on to your other projects? And, like, what's the one thing creatively that you're doing better now that, you know, from Classic Alice that you're doing better now than you were doing then? Nothing. I peaked. I'm I'm just in a sharp, steady decline now. Um, I wish you would have told me. I didn't want to catch you in this interview on the way down. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I think I've learned to take a little bit more. The, if you give it a little more time, you wind up with a better show. Um, so I've done that. I have a tendency to kind of just railroad through things. Um, so I've been trying to take a little more time with projects, give them a little more like breathing room. Uh I don't know. It was. It all happened so quickly. Um, I've I've learned how to assemble a team for sure, and you have to know that your team is willing to kind of play in the mud with you because it's it's hard to get stuff like this off the ground, and it's hard to promote it by yourself. You really need a group of people who are ready to push for it. Um, the, that's really important. I learned more about the like marketing side of things than I did about creative stuff. Um, cause I've been an actor for a long time and I've been a writer for a long time. So I kind of had an idea going in. Um, the thing I've had to learn after classic Alice though, is how to write <laughs> sounds so stupid, but like how to write multiple scenes in one show or in, like, one episode, because Alice was, like, one scene, one five to ten minute scene, and the actors would go up, and it was almost like a play, because um, we would usually try to get it at, as much as possible in one-ish take. Um, but now I can I can write, like, many scenes, and how to end those scenes and start new ones and string them all together has been a new uh, challenge <laughs> But as a writer and producer, I mean, you have so much creative power. As a creative entity, could you be happy if, like, you got signed on to a sitcom today and you couldn't do your own stuff anymore and you could only act as written by other people? Or do you have to create your own content and own projects? Uh, I hope I don't because that makes me very inflexible. No, I, I think it, it is different. You You have to consciously pull a hat off in order to go at like I've been hired on people's stuff and I'm not the creator. I'm not the writer. I'm not anything. I'm just an actor. And you have to be able to switch gears to do that. Um, but would you be happy doing that exclusively is what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. It hasn't happened. <laughs> um, I think my, my like dream job now has changed. I would love to be like a, a crazy ex-girlfriend kind of, in, in front of the camera, but then also like executive producing or Sharon Horgan from catastrophe. Like she's, those are my models. Now, uh, when I first moved here, I just wanted to be an actor, but that is untenable. Like you can't just, yeah, agreed. So I think I get more creative fulfillment from doing both. But if someone was like, we're going to pay you a shit ton of money to just be in this sitcom, I would be like, all right, and then take that money and put it in something that I can be in charge of. Like, you know, you get your creative outlet from something else. Um, and you just have to know, like, this project, I am just this. Well, one thing I noticed while watching Classic Alice, and I guess you can kind of apply this to everything, is there are dramatic moments in Classic Alice what what do you tend to gravitate towards more? Do you find it easier? Or do you enjoy doing comedy more or the dramatic stuff? And how hard it is it to um, shift within the same character from comedy to tra- um, being dramatic? I would I would flip flop back and forth. I would do comedy and then do a drama and then do you know something different and I would move around all the time. Um, what happened though was when I first moved here, I trained in like hardcore checkoffs. Stanislavski drama 
And, you know, check, I've had a couple of comedies. But, like, it was still serious acting. And then someone was like, wait a minute, you're funny. And so from then on, I, you know, kind of got pigeonholed into you're a girl and you're funny, uh, so you're going to do a lot of comedy, which is fine. Um, and then, hi, I'm sorry, now my dog is in my face. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what was the rest of that question? <laughs> so <laughs> when you're pivoting back and forth within the same character, because I understand you oh, go okay. to this role and it's dramatic and this role it's comedy, but it, I, like I was really impressed with the pivot in a character that is so zany and whimsical and kind of like, not erratic, but just spontaneous, forced spontaneous, I would say, with Alice. And then there was dramatic moments. I imagine it has to be difficult right. to shift gears within a four-minute plot like that. <laughs> I don't think so, because we don't live in, like, our lives, you're not all sad all the time. and You're not all happy all the time. Like, we crack jokes when we don't, when we're upset, we cry when good things happen to us. Like there, there are nuggets of both in everything. So if you're playing a human being and hopefully a well-rounded thought out character, human being, that person should be everywhere on both ends and everywhere in between. Cause nobody exists just in one genre. There are, darks and lights and i think in order to see the the light stuff you have to see some dark stuff and vice versa all right fair enough hey you know another thing <laughs> let me just shift gears here totally and i find it's amazing there's so much talent that comes out of the dc area i myself am from waldorf <laughs> Maryland, and you're from columbia and i know yeah. i i think i read you went to boston you went to school in boston and you are very I well think- you know, classically trained and very well educated. It seems like you've got credentials out the ass and you've really, you've really tackled your acting and writing career in a very kind of regimented by the numbers way. You didn't just like (laughs) say, I'm going to hitchhike to California and be famous. Like this is very well thought out and well measured. Uh, I, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday I make no secret of how fucking hard I worked uh, to even get the the modicum of little bit of success that I feel like I've achieved. It, you know, I studied very hard, and I moved out here. Well, you finally made I, on I the kettle of fish, so I would call you successful. What? <laughs> and you finally made on the kettle of fish, so you've made it. Fine. Hooray! <laughs> um, I studied. I, I graduated early. In order to move out here, I've made my parents own stuff. pretty supportive of your creative myself. endeavors. My parents are uh, math and science people, so for the first couple years, they were like, "What is this?" And uh, now my mom's like uh, line is, you know, I don't understand it, but okay. <laughs> like, uh, kinda, that's a sweet place to get to. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they've always been very supportive. And like, but I, I think it's a difficult thing for them to wrap their minds around, especially her, because she's like, you don't get a paycheck every every two weeks. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I know, it's fun. And she's like, what? <laughs> My dad owns his own company, so I think he gets it a little bit more. He understands the need for independence, and you give up a little bit of stability for it. Um, right. The, but it was, it's definitely like my, my younger brother is both of them. One of them is uh, a toxicologist and the other one is, or he just finished college. So he's, he was a math major. He's a carbon copy of my father. So like, they know what that is. And I think they look at me and they're like, but you were so smart. What are you doing? I don't know guys. Sorry. But that's why what you're doing is so well measured. Like I approach the network and everything we've done podcasting wise, I approach it in a very logical, pragmatic way. And sometimes it's a little bit too regimented. I've been trying to kind of pull back and let the shows go where they're going to go as opposed to I've yeah. got to hit all these bullet points. But So I, t- I definitely understand the way you're approaching it. And I think that's a plus at the end of the day. <clears throat> I think it can help because I I have the ability to flip back and forth between business head and creative head. Um, yeah, nice. Which 
Yes. Yeah, it is. I think I, I understand producers. I understand networks. I understand, uh, you know, they need this X factor thing and I can go, all right, well, I understand where you're coming from and I can talk to them. And I also understand actors and I understand uh, writers and people who are more creative and I can talk to them. So I, I kind of ride between the, those two worlds and they can be very, uh, very separated. They can be very difficult to work as a go-between because sometimes networks come back or executives come back and they're like we need to do we want this in the script and the writers are like the fuck are you talking about so being able to see both sides of that I think is is helpful Um, it's hurtful because in LA in particular New York might be different but the culture is such that like being kind of cutthroat is not Everybody smiles and, you know, oh, yeah, I loved it. What if, and I don't do that. So that's been a, a, an interesting uh, learning Dichotomy, curve. <laughs> yeah. All right, we only got a couple minutes left. I have I could talk to you all day, but I got to move on yeah. to not plan. I guess the big sure. question looming <laughs> out there for me, why only eight episodes? I'm expecting 157 episodes after been <laughs> watching Classic Alice. Ugh. Okay, so Not a Plan was originally three sketches that I wrote. And the characters were kind of the same in all of the sketches. So I was, I spent a lot, like those were, I wrote those years ago before Classic Alice, the original sketches. And uh, and I was kind of like, ah, these feel like they're part of something bigger, but I don't know what, but I want to make something. And I want to play a character that is very, very different from Alice. Um. So I slapped the single dumbest, like, overarching story, which was they want to throw a party together. It is so stupid, but that's <laughs> what I did. And, uh, and it worked. Like, this show should not be making as much progress as it's making. I'm taking it to a big festival in October, and, like, there's no reason for it to have gotten in. I'm kind of astounded. But some but people just want to zone out. Sometimes you just don't want I to think, so. and you just kind of want to zone. So, I mean, I wouldn't knock it. I, I, I knock it because... I think you're being hard on yourself, Kate. <laughs> no, no. I, I just find it very entertaining that this is the show that the universe has decided is going to go somewhere. But that's fine. Um, so it was a, a bunch of sketches that I strung together, and there were three sketches originally. I blew it out to eight sketchy things plus a, you know, a bookend because we needed the plot line to happen. Um, So the first episode is plotty and the last episode is wrapping it up. I would love, I mean, if, if someone's like, yeah, let me give you money for this. Sure. I could blow this world out. I could give both of them more to go on. Um, It's, it's basically a show about how well Chris and I banter, but I can absolutely write more of that. So, it's more a factor of like, I don't really want to dump my money into everything. This was a, an exercise for me to play and write something very different. Um, and I did it. And if it goes somewhere, great. And if it doesn't go somewhere, and that's fine. Next thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, your character is very different than the character from Classic Alps. <laughs> I, I mean, totally. All right, we got to finish up. Um, I want to talk about Patreon. And actually, this is interesting to me because me and Dee and Fern have been talking about putting up a Patreon page to fund our new projects. And it seems like it's pretty successful. I mean, you've got a pretty good following and pretty good monthly funding. I, I mean, is Patreon the way to go now for independent creators? Um, I mean, who knows? Uh, it's been working pretty well for me. I'm not able to like quit my day job quite yet, but I'm making enough that I can fund a short via Patreon. Like, I, you know, I can use that money to go fund something, which is fantastic. That was definitely a big goal. Um, I like it because it gives me a way to connect with people that feels very genuine to me. Um, I'm not great at, like, you'll notice, I don't really blog. I don't, I'm not great at sharing, like, this is what's happening in my world right now. But you are good with interacting with people on YouTube and social media. I noticed you guys had interacted a lot on those classic Alice threads. Uh, 
I'm better one-on-one. Like, it's just more natural for me to, like, sit and chat, or, or, you know, small groups, sit and chat with a couple of people versus, like, I, I feel like I'm presenting something and expecting accolades when I'm, like, blogging. And I don't like that. It's very uncomfortable for me. Um, some people do it, and it's amazing, and they're really good at it. And I'm a little in awe, but it's it's not my thing we kind of veered off patreon but so <laughs> going back uh to patreon it, it's been a a boon the last like month and a half because i've been able to cut back on day job hours uh i don't i did not move out here to tutor the sats so it's nice to be able to like i can't take another kid right now haha yeah that is pretty um, sweet yeah and then not have to worry about like wait but i have to pay a bill um so that's been that's been good, and I am very appreciative of it. As far as is this the way to go, it's not the way to go to fund a project. I think I think Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you still have like if I were to fund something large, I would still have to go through those avenues. Um, but it's a good way to connect with people on a smaller scale, and it's a good way to um, be able to help supplement your your regular income and funnel that energy that you now have to something more creative. Well, you know, I'm kind of from the Groucho Marx, I would never belong to a club that would have me as a member mentality. <laughs> and when I'm going through the levels of, I guess, dedication or commitment or whatever, and I see like $5, $10, even $50 if you're a super Kate Hackett fan, I'm like, okay, that's reasonable. But then you get down to like the 102 There's a there's somebody donating 250 a month to you. And I'm like, well, that's just fucking scary. Like, I, I don't know I would want someone to give me $250 a month. What does this person want to return? Um, I, I emailed him, actually, because I was like, hey, I just want to make sure you know, this is a monthly thing, and you don't have, by any means, to, like, fund my whole life. And he was like, no, I get it. I don't want anything. I just, I believe in what you're doing, and I want to make sure that you can keep doing it, and this is how I'd like to um, help you out if I can. And I was like, wow. Okay. But I mean, right. like you don't you have to do like a one hour Skype call or something? Wasn't at one of the bullet points on the two fifty yeah. yeah. commitment level? So I don't know. I'm Fern. I mean, could you imagine if somebody was given Tin Can Media two hundred and fifty dollars a month? To me, once again, wouldn't want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. Um, you know, actually, about... sorry. Go ahead, Kate. Oh, I was going to say the nice thing about it. Like, it does. At first, I think you kind of like. What? Um, but yeah. As you get to know these people, they they become your friends too. Like you meet really wonderful people who are just excited about what you are doing, um, and it it does get less uh, awkward. It, it I I personally, when I first start hanging out with somebody, I'm always awkward. It, I don't care if it's a date or any like it could be anything. I'm a weirdo. So it takes me a minute to like relax into it. Um, but you do wind up, it becomes like just a friend that checks in on, you know, you, you hang out for a little bit and that's it. Fern, you were saying? Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly the thing. I mean, I have a, a little bit different view, a worldview than, than Nick, you do. And I tend to inherently see the good in people like all the time and probably to a fault, yeah, very Most different times from me. Because I think it it does get me into trouble sometimes because I don't, like, I just refuse to let the world strip that of me. So I look at it as if somebody wants to donate $250 a month to us, that means they like what we're doing. We're doing something right. We're doing something good. Mm-hmm. And Says absolutely, I would love to have buy her a beer at the restaurant. You don't let anybody do anything for you. No, I, can't I don't. You were letting someone pay you two fifty just to be you creatively. No, as a matter of fact, I won't let anybody help me with my own bag of shit, and I pick up other people's as well because I want to, because I want to help, I want to make the world a better place, like I want to be a good person, like all those things. You know, just I genuinely love human beings, 
in general, I think we do like really bad things, but I, you know, believe that inherently everybody is good and all they need is a little bit of validation and support to really bring that out because people fear being chastised, they fear failure, they fear ostracization, oh my God, I can't talk. Um, they just feel being ostracized in society as, as a whole. So I want to bring out that good by supporting people and I think people supporting you is, that's amazing. Um, you know, if, if just these two shows, just Classic Alice and just Not a Plan are any indication of what is to come, it is amazing. I mean, you bring up things like counterculture. That was one of my favorite things that I saw was the counterculture <laughs> argument between you and Chris. And I was like, this is brilliant because I always tell people I was such a nerd and such a geek and I always got good grades and I always did my work and I always did all this and I got chastised for it. You know, I played sports too, but people were horrible to me as a child because I was smart. But when you become an adult, then you realize that life is hard when you're dumb. It really is. (laughs) And it's, I'm so glad to be a geek and a nerd. And I'm so glad that I'm ecstatic that X-Files are coming back. And I'm, you know, ecstatic that, you know, I can sit down and watch my Game of Thrones. Like, I love this stuff. I love that I can sit down and read a book when I have time. I have four kids, so that's a little hard. But, um, you know, I love this. And this, this perspective that you bring is, it's fresh. It's, it's really good. It's very relatable. It's very uh, organic, and you do amazing work. So I'm very happy that you have the contributors that you had, and I would encourage anybody to go on Patreon and help out because it's going to do nothing but enrich your world and your life. Yeah, and I always say now more than ever, we need creative voices. I mean, because these are some dark times in many political ways. And I totally believe, and I fund a lot of different things. And I, I don't fund 250 a month because I'm not rich. But I do a lot <laughs> no. of different things. And I think now more than ever, Kate, we need creative voices. And that's why, I, you know, I tip my hat to you. Because we need people out I, I there. Can't think of, I can't think of anyone that would piss Trump off more than a chick making stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, you got that. All right, let me end on this random question because we have got to get out of here. Um, I'm looking at your IMDb, and I'm looking at the timeline, and I'm like, all right, 2010, 2012. But then way, way, way at the bottom, actress um, credential here, Bay State, Rebecca number two, 2000. Well, I don't know why it says 2003, six. Next to it, though, it says 1991. Was that your first role, and is it 1991 or 2003? Um, so basically they, the thing they show you on IMDb is when it started airing. So I uh, wasn't on it until years, years and years and years later. Uh, but that was my college's television show. Um, I don't know if you remember, oh fuck, what was the name of that show? It was on MTV undressed. Um, but undressed was based on Bay State. I think they stole it. Like there were talks about bringing Bay State to that. And then they were like, let's just make it our own. Um, but I was on that and I was underage significantly. And I didn't tell anyone because I went to college early and I didn't tell anybody. And the first like month and a half of shooting, they had me in like a button down shirt with no pants because I was sleeping with somebody. And I was definitely not 18. And I was like, this is fine, probably. Oh, Whatever. man. <laughs> Fern, that is crazy. I, w- I wonder who would get in trouble if that like came to the public knowledge. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, today nobody because like it's so long ago. But like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the rules were. I didn't really look at them. I was just like, I'm not going to tell anyone how old I am. Uh, I was a teenager and the, carefree. <laughs> I was the only uh, freshman who ever made the cast. I was by far the youngest person whoever made the cast uh but nobody knew it you hear that kids work your ass off like kate (laughs) i don't know what you can or can't talk about because we touched on this online um what can you talk about what you're working on how much Um, are you allowed to right now right now i am writing uh, a pilot like a full-length pilot about the weirdos who needed a dog park because they're weird so imagine elementary school parents with less at stake and then I'm also writing a web series about a group of friends who is who gets stuck in an escape room during the end of the world. 
and I just That's a I think I, I think we just got complete funding from an investor. Um, it, it's not like signed and dotted at the, at the moment, but I'm pretty sure it just happened uh, to make a Tom Pike who did personal space and his wife who was a uh, writer on Classic Alice with me. Um, I think we just got funding to make a sci-fi short film uh, that takes place in a tabletop games world. So we're working with the people who made the game um, and it's, got a female lead and that's really fucking cool because it's sci-fi and that's a genre that tends to be kind of close to women. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. Right on. Congratulations. All right, let's get out of here. Kate, where could everybody find all things Kate Hackett on the interwebs? Uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at Hackett Kate. I'm also at Hackett Kate on Instagram. I am actress Kate Hackett on Facebook and then Patreon, which is the big one. And I really hope, you know, somebody, comes by and says hello uh it's patreon.com slash kate hackett with two t's sounds good all right kate i want to thank you so much for calling in today fern i'm actually going to play some even steven for a change i was like you know what i've got this resource and i never play my old band and we're going to play girls love shoes i don't know how much even steven you've heard fern but i think this is a song that like um actually we've got some of the people that we used to know in the song um, I thought it was pretty cool, and uh, we're going to end on it, right, D? I'm so bad at pitching my own stuff. <laughs> I think it's great. Goodbye, guys.